All right. Well, <clears throat> uh, I have chosen to come off of our normal series through the book of Acts and uh, focus some time here in 1 Corinthians. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I would have loved to preach the entire chapter because it just rolls right along. Uh, I'm not going to do that this morning, but I will, Lord willing, preach the rest of chapter 15 tonight. So the very part, the, the half of chapter 15 this morning and in uh, the end of chapter 15, Lord willing, this evening. So please tune in again for the rest of that. And we're looking this morning... 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Brother Jim read for us. <clears throat> and we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go all the way down <clears throat> excuse me, to about verse 20, somewhere in that range there. And I want to look at the topic today, and we'll get more into this title later tonight. But the, the title for really for the day is, He is risen, and so will I. He is risen. Do you believe that? This physical body is going to go in a grave someday, and it's going to come out, just like his body did. And I'm looking forward to that. And uh, so we're going to look at that this morning. But uh, let me ask you this. Have you ever received good news? You ever got a, a telegram, a phone call, a, now I guess a text message, an email, a letter with good news on it? How long did that effect last? The good news that you got, how long did that last? Maybe it's still going on today. Maybe, maybe the good news was, uh, uh, you know, he asked you to marry him, and it's been wonderful ever since. And Okay, well, we tried that one. Maybe there's other good news that came along. <laughs> uh, no. We all like good news. We all like to get good news. And, but listen, the fact of the matter is some good news doesn't last as long, does it? Some good news is limited, but when I think about the good news, how can we as believers not contemplate and think and rejoice in the good news of God? How can we not think of that word gospel? Gospel. Do you know the gospel really began in the Old Testament? Actually, the gospel began before the foundation of the world. And Christ was crucified before the foundation of the world. He was slain before the foundation of the world. We're not going to get into that this morning. But when I think of the gospel, I think that, and I, we realize, we understand the gospel, we see throughout all of the Old Testament, the good news of the Old Testament. Would you listen to the outline of Isaiah? Listen to this outline. You can look in Isaiah chapter 43, and Isaiah presents to us, God is holy. You can look in Isaiah chapter 59, and we can see presented to us as everyone has sinned against God. You could look at Isaiah 59 verse 2 and know that sin separates us from God. You could look at Isaiah 53 and verse 6 and know that the Messiah is going to come and deal with the sin issue. Because that is the issue, sin. And then in Isaiah 55 and verse 6, Isaiah presents to us that we must seek and call upon Him to receive redemption. The good news of the Old Testament was that God's Messiah was coming. He is coming. And the gospel was fulfilled and is recorded in the New Testament. Listen to what this uh, one individual, John Richard Sampy, some may know that name, he wrote about Isaiah chapter 53. It's kind of wordy. It's, uh, it's some old writing. But I want you to focus. I'll try to emphasize the last part of what he says. 
He said the New Testament application of this great prophecy, he's speaking of Isaiah 53. The New Testament application of this great prophecy to Jesus is not an accommodation of words originally spoken of Israel as a nation. This wasn't what Israel talked about this way. Watch this, listen to what he says. But a recognition of the fact that the prophet, Isaiah, the prophet painted in advance a portrait of which Jesus Christ is the original. Did you catch that? It's awful wordy. You have to think about that. He says, he, he said, but a recognition of the fact that the prophet painted in advance, prophecy, a portrait of which Jesus Christ is the original. G, uh, Isaiah, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, was painting a picture of Jesus of Nazareth. And the good news of the coming Messiah became the good news of the Messiah who came. And we look back to that today and how exciting that is. And if you were to look at Mark chapter 1, you'd, you would see the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we touched on this last, I believe it was Wednesday night, just a little bit. The baptism of Jesus Christ. He went to G, uh, Jesus went to John and said, We must fulfill all righteousness. And he was baptized of John. And uh, he went out from there and, and experience, went out to the wilderness. Forty days and forty nights he fasted. He came under the temptation of Satan three times. We looked at that Wednesday night. And then after that temptation period began the preaching ministry of Jesus Christ. And in Mark chapter 1 and verse 14, the Bible says, Now that now after that John was put into prison, Jesus came into Galilee, listen to this, preaching the kingdom of God. I'm sorry, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Let me get it right there. Preaching the gospel of the kingdom. What is the gospel of the kingdom. What is the good news of the kingdom of God? Now, this is not the kingdom of Israel. This is the kingdom of God. And the good news of the kingdom of God is Jesus Christ, God's Messiah. That is the good news. And it goes on in verse 15 of Mark chapter 1, and it, and it says this, We see that Jesus preached, this is what he preached, and saying, The time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Listen to what he says. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Change your mind. Change your mind from what you were believing on for your salvation. But change your mind from what you thought what God was saying. And now believe the gospel. Believe the good news of the Messiah. Repent and believe the gospel. And this is really where Paul picks up 1 Corinthians chapter 15. The preaching of the gospel. The gospel itself. And what you know, what we're going to see here in, in 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul is going to lay out his argument like a great attorney, like a great lawyer. The mind of Paul is, is astonishing to me to watch how he lays out arguments and the way he lays out factual things. And we're going to see this unfold here in chapter 15. And the first thing he he goes after here in chapter 15 and verse 1 is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we see this in verses 1 and 2. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein ye stand. He's speaking to those that are in Christ Jesus, those who are saved, 
they're born again, they're standing in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by which also ye are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. And Paul says here about the gospel, if you believe the gospel, if you have believed the God, put your faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are saved. And he goes on to say, unless you believed in vain, unless you believed in empty belief, unless you believed maybe in the mind and the head, and it never reached the heart, you, you, you ascended to the the factual understanding of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But isn't it crazy? Some people may think, well, I'll be okay. I remember witnessing to a man in Iowa one time, and uh, he, he, I explained to him the gospel. We were talking about the gospel, and I brought him down to this point. It was on a job site. It was kind of a break time, and just got to, got to talking to this. God opened the door, and we began to talk to him. And this was his final words. He was definitely under, he was under conviction. He was listening. And his final words were this. Uh, I, I'll be okay. I think I'll be all right when I get there. <laughs> yeah. He refused to repent and believe the gospel. He didn't say what I would, no way. He didn't say what I was saying was wrong. He didn't say I didn't believe it necessarily. He just said, I think I'll be okay. I'll be all right. Why? He didn't want to come to a place of repentance. And admit that he was wrong and God was right. He needed a change. And sometimes people can come to a place of belief and, and maybe even a vain and empty, worthless belief. Listen, when there is a belief in your need and there is a belief in God's provision and you turn to Him, there's salvation. And Paul is saying here that it is our faith and trust, a belief in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves. And now what Paul is going to do next now, he's laid the foundation of the gospel. This is what we believe in. This is what we believe upon, the person, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now he's going to go on to explain what the gospel is in verses 3 and 4. Look at verse 3. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So here Paul is explaining what the gospel is. And the first thing you notice here is that he says that Jesus died. Not that He died, but that really, if you notice this, He, he died on purpose. He died for a reason. He, he died for a purpose. What was the purpose? For our sins. Our sins are what separate us from God. Our sins are the issue. Our sins are the problem. And once again, the gospel is tied to our need. No, we need the gospel. We need the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need the forgiveness of sin. And he goes and he starts here by saying, Jesus died on Purpose. Listen, if you don't really believe you're all that bad, you don't need the gospel. If you don't really believe that sin is all that bad, you're not going to see your need for the gospel. No, he says Jesus died for our sins, watch this, according to the scriptures. What scriptures? Now we know Paul here is writing to the church at Corinth. We know that the, the New Testament wasn't uh, canon, wasn't finished writing. Paul would write more after this. He is not done. What scripture is he talking about? I think most of the students of the Bible here this morning, you know what this is. He's speaking of the Old Testament. 
He's speaking of the Old Testament. You could, you, you could go back to Isaiah 53. We just looked at that and see how Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. We can look at Psalm 22. You can look all the way back in Genesis 3.15 at the very beginning when, when God said, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and he shall bruise and thou shalt bruise his heel. No, they're, they're the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the, the coming Messiah who is going to die for our sins on purpose, was recorded throughout the Old Testament. Not only that he died on purpose, but Paul shows here that he was buried. Well, what does that mean? He died. Refer back to point number one. <laughs> he died. You buried dead people. Yes, I know some people back in the old days were buried alive, and that was sad. Uh, that, that's where that term, a, a dead ringer, came in. They would, remember this, they would tie strings out of the coffins to bells, and if they woke up, they could ring that bell, and they'd dig them up and take them out. What a time. I'm, I'm thankful for technology. When the, the little machine that goes beep, 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 and goes flat, they say, yeah, he's dead. You know, that's, that's really why, if I'm not mistaken, with Jewish culture, they'd wait up to three days before they believed that, well, I don't want to get into the separation of the soul and body and how they believed the time period between those two things. But the point of the burial of Jesus Christ was he was dead. Actually, many scientists say that he even lived through the, through the whipping and the beating of the crucifixion was a miracle. There is no way he was living through that, folks. There was no way. There was no way he was swooning. There was no way he was going to lose every last bit of blood in his body and just wake up better in about a few few hours and just walk out. The swoon theory. No, it wasn't happening. He was buried. And he, Paul says here thirdly, he was buried and he rose from the dead. No, that's why we're that's what we're focusing on this morning. This is what we're recognizing this morning. The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And notice Paul says this again, according to the scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament. You're saying the resurrection of Jesus Christ was for or was, was prophesied in the Old Testament? Well, Jesus himself over in Matthew chapter 12 talks about this, doesn't he? He said as Jonas was in the whale's belly, Three, he says three days and three nights. He goes on to say, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. No, some can even go back to the three-day period of that. what they say, that walk that Abraham and Isaac took for those three days period. And they came back at the end of that three days and Isaac was alive in a picture of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's all sorts of uh, typologies and pictures of the resurrection of Jesus Christ Throughout the Old Testament. Here's what Paul is establishing as a great lawyer. He's establishing the fact that Jesus died and he was buried and he rose again on the third day. This is the gospel. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. God put on human flesh. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He was crucified. He shed his sinless blood for an atonement that he presented on the mercy seat for us. And he was buried. And after three days and three nights, he walked out of the grave alive in the very same body that was put in there. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the gospel of the kingdom of God. So you know what this great lawyer goes on to do? Now he's going to pull in a bunch of eyewitnesses. He's given us the gospel. He's explained what the gospel is. 
And now he's going to bring in eyewitnesses. Because you know what some people are going to have a problem with? Not the birth of Jesus Christ, not the death of Jesus Christ, not the burial of Jesus Christ, but the world has a problem with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so here comes this lawyer. I see him come back to the stand. And he's going to give a list of eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's going to bring in his list of eyewitnesses. Peter, come here. Come here, Cephas. Did you see the risen Christ? Well, yes, I did, and I wrote about it. You can get, you can get my books online, www.peter.com. My books are there. I wrote all about it, 1995. If you buy both of them, you'll get them two for, two for 20. It's a good deal each. And so he brings Peter as an eyewitness. He brings 12 of the apostles. Did you catch that? 12, the 12 apostles. It wasn't talking about himself. Recognize, I believe, recognizing Mattathias as the 12th apostle. That's a, that I opened a can of worms on this day. I shouldn't have done that. He brings the 12 apostles. Not only that, he brings 500 brethren at once, he says. 500. Saw him at once, at the same time. James, the half-brother of Jesus, who is an unbeliever, after the resurrection of, the, of Jesus Christ, he saw his brother again. He said, no, that's his half-brother. He said, yeah, that's him. Yeah. He goes on to say all of the apostles. There were other apostles. Yeah, there were a few others. Sent once. And then Paul says, of, he was seen of myself. The lawyer stands at, his, at, that, at that podium and he says, all of these witnesses saw him. And I saw him too, judge. I saw him as well. Do you know individuals can see things that don't exist? I'm one of these weirdos like some other out there that if you see a, a pattern of maybe uh, floor tile or some, they have some variegated pattern in them. Man, I can see all sorts of pictures in those. I can see faces and animals. And oh, there's a tree. Oh, there. I, I, I can see all sorts of things but they don't really exist. No, people can see things that don't really exist. People have seen apparitions. They've seen ghosts. They've seen all sorts of things that may or may not have been seen. But you know what? I have real trouble believing that a group of 500 could see something that didn't exist. 500 at the same time would say, yeah, we all saw it. And it never was really there. I have to, this is what Paul's laying out here. He's laying out some, some eyewitness accounts and some logical reasoning here. And this is exactly what he's going to move to next now, is logic and reasoning. He's, he set out the foundation of the gospel. He's explained the gospel. He's brought into the court all of the eyewitnesses that were an eyewitness of Jesus Christ. Hey, they, they ate with him. They talked to him uh, when he made the, 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 the meal for him there that morning. They, they had seen him. They had, they, he, Jesus told Thomas, touch me, touch my side, put your hands in my, put your hand in my hand and see the wounds. He, he was there. He was physically there. In the same body. That went into the grave. Paul said there were eyewitnesses. And now Paul is going to present to the court logic and reasoning. Logic and reasoning. Would you look at verse 12 in our text, please? Verse 12, the Bible, he says this Now, if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, 
how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? He's presenting this to the church at Corinth. And Paul's asking this church, how is it that some of you are saying that Christ did not rise from the dead? How is that possible? Yeah. He goes on to say here, if Christ isn't risen, then all of those eyewitnesses are wrong. There's a lot of eyewitnesses, folks. Eyewitnesses that went to their death, went to their martyrdom, upended their entire life. I had a friend of mine ask me this one time. He said, he said about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, about the authenticity of, of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. He said, let me ask you this. He goes, I thought this before. He goes, you understand a mother and a mother's love? He said, what mother would stand at the base of a crucifixion cross watching her son there, knowing he made it all up and wouldn't say, no, 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 wait, 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 he's just, he just, he just has a great imagination. No, she stood there and watched it. Why? Because she herself had said, my God and my Savior. She knew who he was. Here's the logic that Paul is saying, if Christ isn't risen, all of the eyewitnesses are wrong. He's also saying, our preaching our preaching is in vain. Look at this, verse, verse uh, 14. And if Christ be not risen, then our preaching, is, uh, our preaching vain, and your faith also is vain. Our preaching is empty. Our preaching is worthless. What I'm doing this morning is, is absolutely uh, worthless and baseless if Jesus Christ has not risen from the dead. What a waste of time. Our faith is vain. The very person that we've put our faith and trust in, that we have trusted our entire eternity for, is empty and vain and worthless if Jesus has not risen from the dead. We have put our faith into something that doesn't exist. We've put our faith and trust in a man who is still dead. Pointless. Empty. He goes on to say we're false witnesses. If Christ hasn't risen from the dead, we're a bunch of liars. We're a bunch of liars. Yeah. Listen, folks, if, if dead people can't rise from the dead, then Jesus didn't rise from the dead. If it's not possible for dead people to come out of a grave alive, Jesus did not come out of a grave alive. This is Paul's argument here. Look at verse 15. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He, ra whom he raised not up, if so be that dead rise not. If so be that the dead rise not. If red, listen, if dead people can't rise, He didn't rise. He didn't come out of the grave. This is Paul's logical arguments. Notice what else he says. If there is not a resurrection, verse 17, we're still in our sins. We're still in our sins. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. Ye are yet in your sins. We know Paul's going to write later in Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We understand that it is sin that brought about death. And if death hasn't died, sin still reigns. If death hasn't died, 
listen, listen the, the sacrifices of the Old Testament never, never could uh, take care of sin eternally. They, they were all placed, all of those sins were still placed on the Lord Jesus Christ in the future and waiting for Him. If there is not a resurrection, we are still in our sins. And if there is no resurrection, those who have already died, who are already die, have died in Christ, are forever dead. No, there's no hope. They're never resurrecting. Look at verse 18. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. They're perished. If there is no resurrection, our only hope is this life. You know what that is? That's miserable. That's miserable. Think about it. We still have the flesh. We still sin. We still have, we, we still experience heartache and pain. We still have broken relationships without the hope of something better ever. So we just go through this religious exercise week after week. We just go through this religious exercise of reading our Bible week after week. For what? For this life? And it's over? You can look at the misery of the book of Ecclesiastes. Life without hope. And you look what Solomon does there. He puts all of his eggs in the world's basket and he comes up empty and he eventually comes to the place and he says, therefore I hated life. Oh, the misery of his life. So thankful Solomon finally came to himself and found hope again. Let Let us consider the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Oh, he came around. You know what he realized? There is no hope in this life. And there is no hope in this life if there is no resurrection of Jesus Christ. We're miserable. We're miserable. And our faith is in a limited Christ. Hmm. Our faith is in a limited Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection, it was limited to this life. And Jesus would be, think about this, Jesus would have been no different than the animals that were sacrificed year after year. A limited Savior. Think about that, a limited Savior. You know, when we're talking about eternity, a limited Savior is no Savior at all. See, this is, this is Paul's logic going on here. This is Paul laying out the resurrection here and, and the logic and the reasoning of, of the necessity of the resurrection. And he establishes this after establishing the eyewitnesses, after establishing the fact of the gospel. But notice what he does here in verse 20. Look at verse 20. I love this. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. But now. I love that. The day Jesus came out of the grave was an eternal event. He is alive forever. In Revelation 1.18, He says, I am He that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. This was an eternal event that, event that happened that resurrection morning. He came out to never die again. But 
now. Do you notice what Paul just did there? Present tense. Now is present tense. Christ risen. Paul was writing this some 30 years, probably somewhere in the vicinity of maybe 30 years, after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he's saying, but now. But now is Do you know this is still true 2,000 years later? But now is Christ risen? We, we don't say he was risen. He is risen because he's eternally alive and alive forevermore. And this will be true until the end of the world. And this will be true for eternity. Christ will forever be now risen. I love that. Yeah. Listen to the words of this song. The writer says he was led to Golgotha on the outskirts of town. Then nailed to a rugged cross as the mockers gathered round. The sky spoke like thunder when he finally bowed his head. He who had given life now hung there dead. Then his mother and some friends came to carry him away. They were trying to speak through a broken heart, but only tears could say. The sun cast no shadow on the world's darkest day. And with one last look, they laid him in the grave. Listen to what the, listen to what the songwriter says. But I talked to him today. <laughs> but I talked to him today. My cares all fell away. He made me feel like life had just begun. He said that all of my trials could be turned into triumph through the victory that he's, ever won, that he's already won. I talked to him today. Why did, why did you talk to him today? I talked to him this morning. You probably talked to him this morning. You, some, many of us talk to him on every day, every day, every morning, all day long. We'll talk to him. Why? Because he is alive and he is alive forevermore. Yeah. Every born-again child of God knows that Jesus Christ is now risen. What an argument Paul makes, huh? Explains to us what the gospel is. Death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Gives us eyewitnesses to the resurrection. And goes through the reasoning and logic of what everything we're living for. The vanity that it would be if there were no resurrection. You know, in Acts chapter 1 and verse 13, the Bible says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible truths. Proofs. I'm sorry. Many infallible proofs. Being seen of them forty days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Paul did a masterful job laying out the case of a bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. And this is the gospel. And it's been proven by eyewitnesses, by reason and logic. Watch this by the experience of every believer since that time until today. Yeah. You know what the late Adrian Rogers said one time? He said, uh, if somebody says, I don't believe in apple pie, he says, I said, I've had apple pie, and I believe in apple pie <laughs> because I've had it. You can tell me all day long it doesn't exist. You can say, till the day I die, there's no such thing as apple pie. But I've had it, and I know it exists. You know what you can tell a believer? Jesus doesn't exist. You know what we say? I talked to him today. I know he exists. I know he's alive. 
I know he's risen. Do you know there's, there's no other religious system that has a resurrection? There's no other religious leader claimed to have resurrected. No, there's no other religious system that offers the expunging of our sin record by faith through grace and the finished work of somebody else. No. John eleven twenty five through 26, Jesus said unto her, that woman, uh, uh, um, Mary, he said, I, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Listen to what he says. Believest thou this? Do you believe this? What about you this morning? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the resurrection and the life? Do you believe that you're going to live again someday? Jesus came out of the grave. And if you are a born-again child of God this morning, so will you. Do you believe that? He is risen. He is risen indeed. Heavenly Father, I'm thankful for your word and how overwhelming it can be at times when we're reminded of the reality of the resurrection, the bodily, physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And like that songwriter, we can say every morning, I talk to him today. God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the witness of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the relationship that we have with the God of this universe. That we were reconciled back to you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we know if he never came out of that grave, that atoning blood was pointless. But he did. And we want to thank you and praise you for that this morning. Lord, would you help us as children of God to live in the light of the resurrection of Christ, the hope that we have, the responsibility that we have with the gospel. Lord, would you help us to live in that light. We thank you in Jesus' name. We thank you that we can come to you not by any other name but Jesus. Amen. We're going to have an invitation here and the piano is going to play. And uh, you're listening at home. and I want to ask you, Christian, You've believed the gospel. You've put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know that you're saved. You know you've been born again, not a doubt about it. I want to ask you this morning, are you actively preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ? It was preached to you one day. It might have been through a mother or a father, a pastor. It might have met somebody at work that gave you the gospel. It might have been on the road. It might have been a tract. But somebody gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you believed it. And you're listening this morning because you're a believer. So I've got to ask you, are you preaching it? 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel Jesus commanded us. Are you actively involved in the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you ask God to help you in that? It's good news, isn't it? No, there's a lot of good news that comes in our life that we do not hesitate to sell somebody about it. And here we have the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, eternal good news. I pray that God would help us to be busy about preaching the gospel. Maybe you're listening this morning. Maybe you'll listen later by tape, online of some sort, some way. And you're not a believer. You've never come to a place in your life when you've placed your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. You've never turned from yourself and turned from God. You've never acknowledged your need of salvation and God's offering of forgiveness of sin. You've never believed it. I want to tell you this morning the only way that you can have your sins forgiven, and you know you sin. You know you have sin. The only way you can have those sins forgiven and set back into a right relationship with, with your Creator God is to believe the gospel and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you do that today? You may be watching online. You know, you can get on our website. You can get on online and you can message us and we can get somebody with you and give you uh, that is is trained in the Word of God and they can show you through the Word of God how you can have your sins forgiven and know that you'll be right with God. And that the life that you have, Jesus says, that I give unto them eternal life. Eternal life. You can have eternal life this morning. Maybe you'll be listening by audio sometime. You can go to our website at calvarybaptistnixa.com and you can message us and email us through 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 that other portal and ask us what you must do to be saved. He's risen. He's risen. However the Lord has spoke to you in this time of invitation, you respond to Him. Jesus paid it all, all to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. Thank you for tuning in. Um, tonight we'll be back finishing up 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the hope of the gospel. The hope of the gospel. And we're going to look at that tonight. Would you join us tonight at 6 o'clock? And uh, Lord willing, we will see you there. God bless you. Have a great afternoon.